Guides in the Gulf. Right, do you want to do introductions or do you want to do introductions? You can do introductions, right? Righto. Well, guys, welcome back to uh, episode two of Guys in the Golf podcast. It's good, um, it's good to be back. See, it is good to be back, mate. Um, yeah, pretty excited after our first episode. Uh, went really well. Yeah, there was definitely a few nerves there, and you can tell when we watched it back that, yeah, the start, we started a bit shaky, but by the end, I think we had a good flow going. And Yeah, no, I think, yeah, we sort of, we're working it out anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah we were obviously very excited about it. We went... Uh, straight back to your place and uh, did some editing and got it on big screen and, and watched it back. So uh, uh, definitely learned a few lessons in there. Yeah. So uh, some things that uh, hopefully we won't do in the future. And uh, But most of it overall was pretty good, I think. Um, and so far, only a couple of people have listened to that first episode. It's not out just yet yeah. as, we're, as we're here now, but, um, but a couple of people that have uh, looked at it reckon it's uh, pretty good. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the listeners will enjoy it and, and subscribe. So, uh, yeah, so what do you reckon, mate? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Oh, not too much this week. Went out fishing once. Uh, Did not go very well. Yeah, I fished pretty hard. Did lure fishing, bait fishing, uh, yeah, flicking lures and trolling. Yeah, but uh, just got the one barra. And uh, unfortunately, it was a barracuda. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that does happen sometimes, mate. What was the plan? Yeah. Where, where'd you go to? I went over towards the Twins and that out the Crooked Creek. Yeah. Over, over at the Twins. And I started over there. The water was really dirty and the water was pumping out. Yeah. I had planned on getting myself locked in there because if the, once that tide goes down low there, you are stuck there. Yeah. Um, and that was the plan. But after half an hour of being there I was just not feeling it so I, I quickly zipped out before the tide got too low and then came back in the crooked. And did, did you just stay at the front of the twins or did you go up up into the... I, I didn't just because the tide was dropping and when I've found in the past when I've gone at that really low tides when I go up the top I haven't really done well up there but yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you can get a long way up there. Yeah. Up there. You and I have done it. Yeah, you can go for miles and miles up there. Actually, yeah. really good. and we got some really good drone footage. Up yeah, there some one, of the, my favourite drone footage ever. Yeah. yeah, you were, you were, it was your drone, and you had it in that aeroplane mode where it, when oh, you turn left and front, right, it we're does the, the yeah, yeah, and the top down shots, and it, it's like it, the uh, mm. the punt drifts. It's yeah. like a drift boat. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it does. It slides around them corners. Yeah, if you got to, got to keep on top of it, but um, but yeah, you get right up the top there. I think I've been up there years ago. I did a charter with a bloke. Um, and like I said last, it was, I didn't do a whole lot of barra fishing in, in, in uh, charters because I mostly focused on um, out around the islands. But uh, one day, one fellow was real keen on getting a barra, and I took him over there. It was just it happened to be half decent tides for it. So, and we went right up there. And then there's a little corner. I think is actually a corner you showed me when you were in in the houseboat over there for a while with Jazzy. Yeah. Um, years and years ago. And that, that corner is my dad showed me that corner. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, and we got old mate got his first barra there, oh, so he'd never nice. caught a barra before in his life, or never caught a decent fish before in his life. And all he wanted to do for his trip was catch a barra, and he'd been to Darwin and everywhere else, and and hadn't had any luck at all. So uh, went up there and yeah, just on line bait, uh, live mullet, uh, right on that that corner you showed me uh, straight in, and it was a good barra too, it was like in the 80s or something, yeah, so, nice. so, um, so it is a good spot over there, and I know um, out in the front there, that's one of my favourite spots, out the front, around the little island at the front oh, there. Oh, just in the mouth, yeah. Yeah, especially as that water's dropping out, um, if you get there at the right, if you've got a good tide for it, you get there at a high tide, and then as the water's just starting to come out of the mangroves there a bit, the barras sometimes are just boofing all along that edge. Uh, yeah. And you can, yeah, you can absolutely clean up there. I've got some, yeah, some really good barras along yeah. there, and, and get some good threadies and jewies there as well. You yep. get them all in the same spot. Actually, I think we and I were over there. Yeah, that wasn't too long ago. 
reckon even just last year that was. Yeah, you got uh, good Jewy. Yeah, I remember at Brixby around like some sticks and that yeah, on yeah. ten pound, and yeah. I, I got it out. Yeah, it ended up going out, and we we landed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we had, there was another couple of yeah, we had some the, the peanut gallery there yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> spectators over the back yeah. watching, but yeah, you got a good Jewy. I think we there's other day we got we got a good Thready in the uh, channel the, out the yeah, front as well. Yeah, we trolled out there, and yeah. we were just talking about Threddies going. Oh, Threddy would be nice, wouldn't it? And then you're like, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you got all, all three that day, which, like, you don't get a lot of threadies here compared to, and, like, people that are listening that have been here and caught plenty of threadies will say, well, you do get plenty of threadies. But compared to, like, uh, the mouth of the daily or... Um, oh, shady. shady mouth, camp, yeah. and, and I've, I've never experienced it, but I've seen the sound of photos and that, and even talking to barrow operators out there, mm. they get frustrated catching these metre-long threadies just to try and, like, they catch 15 of them to try and find one barrel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so we don't get them like, we do get them, yeah. but not like that. That's and a good so, problem to have, though, isn't it? <laughs> catching too many good fish, yeah, because yeah. they're not bad on the chew. But he, um, actually... I don't know, was it your old man or might have been? Somebody showed me a, um, a way to do threadies, which I hadn't done before, where, because they are sort of known to be fairly hard to fill, especially if I haven't filled with a lot of fish, because they've got those big uh, knobs in their spine, they're, yeah. they're, they're big round pieces of bone in there. So um, if you just run the knife straight over the top of it and skin them, and then you just chop the head and tail off and you actually cook the whole frame on the barbecue, a bit of salt and pepper. That's an excellent, you know, really, really good feed. But he, uh, I don't know if it was your old man or... Yeah, there's a bar- there was a barbecue here somewhere. Somebody yeah, okay. showed, me, um, showed me that trick. And, and yeah, yeah, I've done we, that a few times now. That's, that's it's really funny good. that meat on the bone is always best, and it? Like, yeah. with steak and that. But it's, it's no different with fish, I reckon, as well. Mm. Yeah, well, that day we went, went out when we were you on the... You got to the houseboat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I remember we're, it. We were on the houseboat and, and uh, we had several boats there and, and all the other guys had gone out and you and I were pretty much having a quiet one staying at home having a few beers and we ended up taking Flanders your boat out and we got stuck into um, a heap of different stuff Uh, we didn't go as far as the other guys I don't think we only stayed they went went miles and miles out the bigger boats and and we stayed in relatively close because there's a few storms around but we got stuck into a few uh, goldies and that yeah I reckon we we brought one home we called it like perfect lunch size it was pretty little (laughs) but yeah the fillets weren't enough for the two of us so yeah you thought oh geez I need to maximize this (laughs) (laughs) so you got yeah the, the frame on it um, I remember you put like whatever we had on the boat. It was, it was like a, a, a tally, Italian, Italian herbs, herbs yeah. You drenched it and then cooked <laughs> on the barbecue. And oh man, that's the best fish I've ever eaten still to this day. Yeah. 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 No, that is. It's really it helps good. when you're really hungry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That was a good trip. That one too. So. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, one fishing trip, mate. Um, yeah. Not uh, not the best turnout, but. Um, yeah, about you? You've been on the water this week? Yeah, well, just just working, um, just crabbing still, uh, nearly the end of the season. But uh, yeah, went out this morning, um, did my run. Crabs still slowing down. It's about 50% female, 50% male crabs. A lot of older crabs and stuff at the moment. But um, um, I did a um, actually, uh, I got a little. Uh, uh, female crab in one of the crab pots this morning. I actually did a little video of it, which we might put up. Snippet, um, yeah. um, but it had actually a, a parasite in it. Um, there's a little parasite. You did a TikTok, and I, I mentioned it in the video that I recorded. You did a TikTok last year with one of the boys um, up the coast where they had a, um, a crab that was both male and female. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was explaining to them how that happens. It's from a parasite called Saculina. And uh, so the crab I got in the crab pot this morning, only real, really small female. Um, I actually did a video of it because it had that parasite, so I did, did a little video so people can see what that's about. So um, basically, what it is, it's a um, uh, it's a small shellfish, and it's almost microscopic, wow. um, and it's got a um, 
uh, you, you, you can't be like it's yeah, it's tiny, tiny, tiny. You can't you can't see it at all. But what happens is, as the crabs um, shedding its shell, and the and the shell's really soft, so obviously um, crabs shed their shell. Um, when they get bigger, they obviously this, and then the shell goes hard. Yeah. So for a short time, the shell's really, really soft. And that's why you might have heard a soft shell crab or something at a restaurant before. So um, when it's really soft, the uh, saccharina, the parasite or the little uh, barnacle, has actually got a, um, a, uh, a beak on it, sort of like a mosquito, and it actually injects itself into the into the uh, shell of the crab, and um, uh, basically utilizes the crab as a home for its um, offspring. And so it, it tricks the crab into thinking it's got a, um, a clutch of eggs. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, and you can get it on both male and female crabs and basically it, it wrecks them so they can't breed after that and they won't eat much either. So, and the idea is that basically it takes over their, their body and their mind so they won't eat much, um, uh, that, so they, they don't grow too quick so they don't yeah. change their shell so they can, so this parasite can live as, as long as it possibly can. Um, and yeah, so if it's a if it's a male crab that they do it to, the actual flap on the male crab, which um, most people would know, is, is a sort of a V shape. Yeah. Uh, whereas the female crab is sort of a U shape. Uh, the male crabs will actually turn female, or that flap will actually turn into like a female flap. It'll still have a pointy end on it, like a male, but it'll be more of a more of a U shape. And it'll actually, um, and the reason they prefer to do it with the males is, uh, which I just learned through, through reading, uh, which I, I'll read a bit of this to you in a second, but um, I just learned through reading this is that um, they prefer males because then the males are um, uh, more protective or whatever, but it also um, uh, attracts other males in when they don't have their uh, male organs anymore. It attracts other males in. Yeah. And the idea is, is that so when other males come in close to it, then it'll it'll let go more all its eggs <laughs> and then infect another another crab. So wow. So yeah. So that that actually. Um, yeah, so let's go to the video you showed me. So we, we've got footage from from last year that we saw yep. one, and that looked like a fairly clean one. So I'm guessing that was a male mm -hmm. that would have been turned yeah. turned hermaphrodite or whatever. Yeah. This one that you showed me footage of just before we started the podcast today, it, it looks feral. Like, it, yeah, because it, yeah. it, it's an old crab because it hasn't ah. changed its shell. Like, it, even though it's really small, it's an old, it's an old crab, and that's as I again learned today, it'll actually stop them from eating. So they won't eat much. That way they don't grow so much. That way they don't need to change their shell as quick. That way the parasite can live there longer. So, um, but yeah, this article I found um, today on the conversation. Um, the website says uh, meet Saculina, a barnacle that makes a living as a real life body snatcher of crabs. Unlike most barnacles that are happy to simply stick themselves to a rock and filter food from the water, Saculina and its kin have evolved to be parasitic and they are horrifyingly good at it. The microscopic larva of Saculina seeks out an unsuspecting crab using specialised sensory organs. It then settles on a part of the crab where its armour is most vulnerable, usually on the membrane at the base of one of the crab's hair. Um, so the larvae then transforms itself into a kind of living hypodermic syringe. Uh, this syringe stabs the base of the crab's hair and injects the next stage of the parasite, a microscopic blob called the vermigon, into the crab's bloodstream. This blob will eventually grow into a parasite that takes over the crab's entire body. 
the body of a fully mature saculina is unrecognisable as a barnacle. Uh, it consists of a part called the interna, which looks more like the root of a plant than an animal. Its tendrils spread throughout the crab's insides, and the only part of the parasite which is visible on the outside is the externa, the female reproductive organ which protrudes from the crab's abdomen. So, abdomen. Wow. So, so that's where you can see. So when you look under the flap, that's actually the female part of it, which has got more eggs in it. Another clutch yeah. of eggs, and it actually you, tricks the crab into thinking it's got a clutch of eggs of its own, so it protects it. And then as the other male crabs come nearby, it releases That's more. That's absolutely horrifying. Yeah, so... Um, so it turns the crab into a zombie. Yeah, like, more, more or less, yeah, so... It's, it's like a... Yeah, it's it's like a little little fella in there, like controlling it almost as a robot. Yep. You know, wow. Yeah, that's so, hairy as hell. <laughs> yeah, so um, so that's just a bit of an interesting one for people that might not have seen it before. I know. Um, I mean, I you know we catch a lot of crabs here, and I don't see it that often. Yeah. Um, some places, um, so where that that article is actually uh, comes from the United States, um, and over there in the particular area that they looked at, they looked at about thirty percent of their population of crabs um, in that in that area actually were affected by it. So thirty percent. Yeah. So it's quite so if, a if it was like that here, so if. if uh well, we're allowed to keep female mud crabs here, but yeah. if just say you're in Queensland mm. and you got pulled up by fisheries or whatever, and they had a look at your catch, like what do you reckon they would say? Like, well, I think you'd still have to look at that. You can still tell the difference of them because of the colour of the flap. So that's what it was. So the one that you you showed me the video just now, that yeah. that that, would have, that was a female that's. Transitioned. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dark. It's yeah. It's, so it's not, like not so much that it's transitioned. It's yeah. just that it's it's killed all of its reproductive yeah, organs. Right, yeah. So so it can't breed anymore. Okay. But what happens is when when it gets a male and does that, it kills its reproductive um, organs. So then it's uh, less masculine. Then it so that that way it grows that flap like a female. So. Definitely less masculine because that's the one from last year. I remember the claws were smaller like a female. Mm. Yeah. 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 It still had the, like the body. Yeah. Wow. It's mm -hmm. crazy. That yeah, so sometimes when you when you see that, um, that's that's what causes it anyway. So if you if you see that with a crab which look it looks like a male and a female, then that's that's what's happened to it. It's had that parasite and it's actually um, yeah, it's killed its reproductive organs. Yeah, righty. All right, let's move on from zombie mud crabs. <laughs> uh, yeah, something else I've been up to this week was uh, being fairly busy on the computer as well. Uh, after the podcast last week, I've now got our uh, YouTube channel. I've yep. got. Facebook page, we've also got a Patreon. Yep, so, <laughs> so people, can, people can start paying us some money, come on. Show us the money. Uh, um, yeah, and these so, episodes we'll uh, put up on, on YouTube so people can actually watch the video of them, but we're going to endeavour to have it uh, organised so that we can have it on all of the major streaming yeah, services. Yeah, Spotify so and, and all the, yeah, that's, that's the plan. Wherever from, hopefully, is where you'll be able to find it. Yeah. Um, what else we got, mate? Uh, we've got a Facebook page. Yeah. We've got so, an email address now as well. Yep, yep. So you can, people can email in anything. I was even thinking one step up down the track, it'd be good to people send us voice memos or anything. Yeah, absolutely. As we can play them on the podcast <laughs> if there's anything anything of interest. Yeah. Yeah, any stories anyone's got, any, yeah, anyone's got a fishing yarn or something like that or yeah. anything at all, or yeah. questions, you know, if we're, something we're talking about, people want to, um, you know, uh, want an answer to a question they've got, then, um, yeah, they can email it through, send us a voice memo. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you've got a good yarn, yeah, 
send us a voice memo. Uh, obviously, try and don't use a potato to record it. Try and use <laughs> a, yeah, an iPhone or yeah. you know, late model device to yeah. to record it would be uh, would be really handy. What do you reckon with uh, getting guests on? Maybe maybe start those sort of episodes in in January or. Yeah, well, we've got a few ideas lined up already, so it'll, obviously it'll come down to availability for people. Yeah. Obviously, there's, this time, there's no one here at the moment. This time of year, everyone's pretty quiet. So, um, but as, as soon as we can, um, yeah, get guests on. That, that's that'll be the plan. We'll get some guests, and we've got some really, really interesting people as well that um, I think uh, people would like to hear from. Probably a little bit more than us as well. So, yeah. so uh, that'll be good. Yeah. So. Uh, a couple other things that are uh, happening at the moment uh, is uh, NT Rec Fishing Survey. So um, this is a, a, a survey for anyone that fishes recreationally for Barramundi in the Northern Territory. Um, it's organised, I think, mostly by AFAN, and you can find out all the details on um, afan.com.au. And how often do they do this? Um, I'm not sure this particular survey, I, I don't know if this is the first one, but basically they're, 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 from my reading of it, they're, they're trying to work out the best way forward for, for recreational uh, fishing in the Barramundi sector specifically yep. rather than not not all wreck fishing but just specifically barramundi um uh, AFAN obviously is the Amateur Fishermen's Association of the Northern Territory, so it's quite a um, uh, prominent uh, organisation, uh, non-government organisation in the Territory. Um, they do quite a lot of work uh, around, well obviously all their work's around wreck fishing, but they do work very hard um, to uh, to look after uh, all, everyone that, you know, whether they're Territorians or visitors or whatever, they try try really hard to uh, make sure that, you know, fishing's sustainable and fun for everyone. So Yeah, so the idea behind them is like they they speak for everyone like they they sort of they have the a lot of like a lot of pull they can lobby the government for example a absolutely rather than yeah, just so us as individuals go, going and speaking to our local member affect speaks for the majority sort of thing yeah so for example like us king ash bay fishing club uh, we are like a corporate member of affant so um yeah we pay a, a small fee to them annually and then uh you know we speak to them from time to time about things that are going on if we've got issues around wreck fishing here we can speak to affant and then they they've got a direct line to um you know ministers and things like that that can, that can get things done so but at the moment they've got this survey going for wreck barra fishing um it's currently being led by uh, hudson howells and partners with key stakeholders including AFANT. Uh, this online survey seeks to gather insights on fishers' satisfaction, uh, catch settings and administrative arrangements to help inform fisheries management. Your opinions matter greatly and there are no right or wrong answers. Your individual responses will be kept confidential uh, combined with others for analysis. Thanks to Craig's Fishing Warehouse and AFAM, we have some great prizes on offer with those who complete the survey. Uh, that'll be You'll be eligible to win if you uh, go and do that survey. So if you jump on to um, afan.com.au, um, you'll be able to have a look at that survey there, answer a few questions, and you could win some great prizes that have been donated by Craig's there. So um, that's that's uh, one survey just specifically about Barra, but there's also um, uh, the Recreational Fishing Development Plan, um, that, which is a 10-year plan, has just come out. So this is a part of, um, you know, a lot of surveys have been done over the last um, 12, 18 months or so. Um, Basically, uh, our fan have had people out at boat ramps and fishing clubs and all over the place, um, you know, having, interviewing people basically at boat ramps, asking them about all sorts of different things, their experiences fishing the territory and things that could be better, things that, you know, issues and whatever. So, um, 
they've uh, they've just released this plan. And again, if you go to uh, industry.nt.gov.au, you'll be able to have a look at the recreational fishing development plan. Or you can just chuck it in Google. You'll be able to find it pretty easy. Yeah, so this will be targeted for, for, for anyone that does, whether you fish every day or fish once a month or your yep. land-based fishing, fishing from boats. Uh, tour operators, everyone. Yeah, commercial yeah. businesses like um, yeah, in tackle stores, you yeah. know, uh, accommodation providers. And whether you, you live know. in Darwin or you live out remote. Yeah, um, this is for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's the, the more it's information they plan. get, the more. Yeah, so the, 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 oh, this plan is is done now. It's actually oh, out. Okay. So this the, the oh, that's plans, the, this is the actual yeah. findings of of. Of, of, a, of a previous surveys okay, and things, yeah. so this, this yeah, is, a, this this is the, the plan. Yeah. yeah, this is the, the the plan going forward for the next ten years for recreational fishing as a whole. So the previous one was just speaking about barramundi fishing in particular. Yeah, okay. This is um, uh, yeah recreational fishing development plan for from 2023 to 2033. So um, and yeah, so I'll just read you quickly from here. Recreational fishing is a huge part of the territory lifestyle, providing a wealth of social, cultural, and well-being benefits and generating significant significant economic contributions to the territory economy. The Recreational Fishing Development Plan 2022 to 2033 has been developed in collaboration with industry to ensure the territory's recreational fishing sector will continue to successfully navigate changes, overcome challenges and create opportunities to deliver a strong and sustainable recreational fishing future. The comprehensive plan was developed in partnership with the Amateur Fishermen's Association, AFAMP, uh, the NTGFIA, which is the NT Guided Fishing Industries Association, um, and RFAC, which is the Recreational Fisheries, uh, sorry, Recreational Fishing Advisory Committee, uh, as well as recreational fishers and stakeholders from around the territory. Uh, stakeholders were in, uh, invited to have their say at each step of the innovative 12-month planning process, involving the input of hundreds of people and key organisations through rev uh, through interviews, workshops, and submissions. This process has delivered a genuinely grassroots plan for fishers by fishers. The planning process revealed that the recreational fishing sector exists in a complex and dynamic environment where change is to be expected and prepared for. The plan articulates a vision for where we want recreational fishing to be in 10 years time and sets a course of action to get there. The plan will be reviewed by RFAC, so that's the um, Recreational Fish Fishing Advisory Committee, annually to ensure it remains current and focused on the needs, changes and challenges of the day. And at the moment, they've got a few things in there so first of all was the development process which has been done uh, then the 10-year vision uh, desired outcomes will be um, shared understanding and access uh, diverse and abundant fish stocks fishing opportunities for everyone uh, and the uh, capable and confident sector and then essential behaviors so that's what they've got on their website there anyone can there's quite a bit of information there anyone can go and have a look at that so that's just like the cover letter it's probably like a hundred page document yeah, like... yeah yeah it'd be probably several hundred pages yeah, if you go into wow. each actual um each actual point but that'll that just sort of gives a bit of an outline of, of what the idea of that is um yeah so if anyone's interested in looking at that it's quite important if you are into wreck fishing especially if you're involved in wreck fishing as a um uh, like as part of your employment so whether you're working at a fishing shop or own a fishing shop if you're a tour guide or work you know yeah anything like that um you know it's fairly important that uh, you get around that and have a look and, and see what well, the plans it talk, are it talked about how big uh the fishing industry, whether it's commercial or rec or anything, how big? Think of how big that is in the Northern Territory. Mm. Um, we like if we, we could probably look on a website or something and see. Like it, it'd be one of the top sort of industries because it, it's sort of encompassed encompassed with tourism as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's um, yeah. 
a huge thing for the Northern Territory. Oh, I think for it, sure. And think it's, where we are here, like we're, it, it's well here at 100 percent. Crazy how many people like, we get through yeah. here. Oh, we get thousands of visitors a year driving through here. Like yeah. we, we were thinking about the other day, like our boat ramp here might be one of the busiest boat ramps in the Northern Territory. The only one I can think of might be Dundee. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you looked at it over, um, the only thing, yeah, if you look at it over a 12 month period, um, maybe not quite, but if you looked at it fr from that uh, sort of March through to November, then it, it'd have to be because yeah doesn't matter what day it is of the week there's 150 um, yeah at, at least day. yeah so so we spread that out over a year so if you looked at the average daily use for it for per annum i think we'd be right up there yeah um we'd well and truly yeah. be right I up there middle of nowhere. it's just yeah well that's it we're a thousand k's from Darwin. you know yeah. 700 from catherine thousand k's from mount isa <laughs> so we're yeah, right in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, it's, it, but yeah, you're right. Fishing is a, you know, it's a it's a massive part of the Northern Territory economy, um, and not just the economy too. It's a part of our lifestyle. You know, it's a, the, you know, you think of the people. If you couldn't go fishing anywhere in the territory, if you if you lived and worked in the territory and you loved your fishing and you couldn't go fishing anywhere, what are you going to do? You're going to pack up and move back to Queensland yeah, or yeah. Western Australia or or somewhere else where you can go and, and uh, chase a few fish. So yeah. you know, it is a it's a massive part of our lifestyle, not just the economy but our lifestyle as well. It's it's almost a, um, it's a part of our identity as territory. Yeah. Just, you know, it's sort of a, you know, catching your first bar is like a rite of passage, you know? Yeah. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's just one of those. Well, well, while we're on this as well, this is just something I'm going to mention, and not as a political thing, but just mm. mention that some people from down south coming up on their first trip, they might find this interesting. That uh, a couple of things, we don't have boat registrations here. No. And no, no boat licenses for boats under. No boat license period for, for, for private use, yeah. What if you had a 15 metre boat? No, no, no boat license yeah, well, for private use, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's like... Uh, well, yeah, you can fact check on that because I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a limit at some stage, yeah, but yeah. more or less, you know, if you've got a um, yeah, 40 foot flybridge cruise or something like that, I, yeah, there's no no requirement for you to, you know, to have any uh, formal license or anything like that unless you're using it commercially. Obviously, once you start using vessels commercially, you need to have um, the appropriate qualifications there. But yeah, no, no. Um, uh, blood alcohol limit on the water. Yeah. No, no boat regos, no boat licensing, um, and you so know. So if you're out there have, and you have six beers on, in the boat, that they're not going to breathalyse you. Uh, no, well, there's no facility for them to breathalyse you for no reason. However, um, and and this is why, and the argument's been made plenty of times by people a lot smarter than I, um, that there's no real need for us to have um, uh, blood alcohol limit for driving boats. You know, because what happens is obviously you can if you get in your car and you back your trail down the ramp and you've been drinking all day, you can get pinned straight away for for DUI. Yeah. Um, if you're intoxicated or you're over the limit. For sure. But on the water, uh, there's no real need to have a blood alcohol limit because if you have an accident, for example, and you injure somebody, okay, you're still liable. You're still liable, and if you're you've still been reckless. Yeah. So if, yeah. If, if if you've been drinking. Then you can get a, a, a blood alcohol sample from the you know the police could uh, potentially yeah. take a blood alcohol sample from you, then um, then you can be charged with uh, dangerous driving of a um, of a motor vehicle or or, or a vessel okay. uh, or drink driving then so um, causing harm and, and that has happened in the past before so basically it's they make it pretty simple 
don't be an idiot. Yeah. Don't carry on. Don't go out there and drink six bottles of rum and then fly around at night time when there's <laughs> 200 other boats around not knowing what you're doing. You know, be careful. You don't want to run at the bank and, and injure your mate, you know. Yeah. You, you don't want to run into somebody else and injure them. And the good thing is this thing, instance, in my opinion, we certainly don't hear about many. There's a few a year, but, mm. like, uh, that's, that's the old thing about... Um, I hate it when uh, people try and fix problems that don't exist. Yeah. Like, yeah, so usually around yeah, every election year, I reckon, isn't it, that, 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 that this it comes up about, yeah. It, it comes up, yeah. People talk about, oh, we need to bring it in line with the rest of Australia. It's like, well, well we don't have a problem here. Mm. Like, don't what, what problem are you trying to fix? We don't need to make a new rule mm. for the sake of making rules. Yeah, and, yeah. and at the end of the I day... Said I, I said I wouldn't, wouldn't get political. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, if, if somebody's being an absolute clown, even here, if somebody's um, heavily in, or believed to be heavily intoxicated and they're operating a vessel in a dangerous manner and you call the police, the police have every right to go out there and pull that person up yeah. and go, hey, what are you doing? You're being an idiot, come with us, and you know, you, you I'm, I, I believe you can be still be charged with operating a, uh, a vessel under the influence. However, there's no provision, I don't believe, for um, RBT type situations yeah, yeah, okay. on the water, so yeah. there has to be a reason. So, unless you've been an absolute goose, yeah, yeah. You're pretty pretty safe to have a few beers, and which is good because it means, especially here, where a lot of people, you know, they park their boat, um, you know, they're moored in the river or whatever like that, so they're not driving a motor vehicle or anything like that when they come back. So yeah. they can go out and they can have several beers on the river yeah. um, and not have to worry about, you know, uh, or be stressed about losing their license for, for you know, being 0.01 over the limit or whatever. Yeah. So. So, you know, I think it's a good thing and I think it should yeah. remain the same, oh, just like by registration. Yeah, you know? we've been known to go out from time to time and have a few beers on the water. <laughs> I only drink zeros, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you ready for one? Mm. Yeah, mate, may as well. May as well get another one, eh? Oh, that's a black one. Oh, you can have that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Normally I have a... Every year I try and have at least one month off, off the beers and I usually make it February because February is the shortest month. So, but uh, I had three months off at the start of this year and uh, big plans coming up early next year. So I'm um, behaving Ooh, myself I'll for talk, a few months. We'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, uh, oh. so fishing plans for this week, mate. What have well, we got going on? I've been bugging you to come out fishing with me for a, for a while now. And we're, we had a bit of a chat the other day and we've, we've got a couple of spots we want to explore. What do you reckon? Yeah, so um, over the next few days, we're going to try and get out and... Um, Yep, so we'll, and we'll speak about that next week, uh, yeah. next week's episode. Um, well, if we catch any fish anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know all the way, but, but we're going to try and get out, chase some, uh, chase some barras, maybe some jacks and some coastal creeks. Yeah, coastal uh, creeks. This time of year, I reckon that's, that's the go for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, there's so many places here. Like, I've lived here, you know, the vast majority of my life. And, um, yeah, I've, there's hundreds, thousands of creeks that I haven't been up. And, uh, I was going to ask you uh, in the last podcast when we were talking about you being a charter operator and a and a uh, pro crabber now, mm. and the amount of hours you've spent on the river and exploring up creeks, trying to find crabs and and all that. But it's still like miles and miles. Oh. Like you, you could you could really spend a lifetime here and still be able to go out and find new spots every day. Yeah, you yeah. know. 
Um, it, it's like you want to see the stat. You know, if you uh, if you if you went to a new beach in Australia every day, um, you'd, you'd be 26 years old by the time you completed every beach. <laughs> it, it'd be something similar here for little creeks and things like that. I reckon because you know it, it would take you many, many, many years of being on the water every day to go and check out every spot, yeah. especially like you know the lady on islands here. If you get around those islands and and check out all those reefs and stuff as well, and and all the little creeks that are around there, uh, you know, yeah, there's just so much country here and um yeah and it's all and it all fishes pretty good you know that, you know everyone's got a time and place but um you know the most for the most part it all fishes pretty good yeah. so so we're going to get out um yeah the next couple of days and try and catch some barras um try and get a bit of videos you're going to try and make a youtube video yeah, for your channel get an episode going um and we'll try and get a couple of snippets and stuff for, for this as well yeah and um, we show what we're, what we're up to um, so yeah, try and get, try and hopefully get a barra. Uh, yep. What do you reckon, mate? Yeah, take my boat Flanders out. Yep, we might even uh, work it. So uh, yeah, I might go for because I think some of the places we were talking about going is going to be at high tide. Yeah. So, um, which I need the high tide to go to work. So I might go early one day because the way the tides work here, um, coming up, <coughs> we've got some. Uh, Basically, the, the tide comes in and then it stays in for quite a long time. Yeah, right, yeah. So it means I'll be able to go to work earlier, a few hours earlier, get all my run done, get my crabs tied, everything like that packed up, and then be able to jump straight in the boat with you. And I might be able to meet you down the river somewhere um, and jump in with you oh, and, yeah. and then go go yeah, chase a barra. And, uh, yeah, see what see what we can do, mate. And, yeah. Uh, so with the so uh, crabbing at high tide. So to put that in perspective for the listeners. Like a lot of your pots will be at low tide. They'll they'll be out of the water or half yeah, out of the water. Certainly um, earlier in the year, yeah, they can be um, or pretty close to it. So they'll be right on the edge of the water, sort of thing. Out on, out on the flats, um, yeah, they they can come out of the water on a really really low tide. So basically, at high tide on, the, on those flats there, on a two meter tide, like yeah, you've only you know it's only sort of knee deep. Yeah. You know, like I don't know you've been out helping me a few times and you get out there and. You know, you, you you wouldn't sort of realise until you stop and actually have a look, and you know, because and sometimes the water's quite dirty, but yeah. in clean water, you, yeah, there's it's a foot deep in some yeah, places. So it's crazy. So then that's why you got to work the high tide, otherwise you you can't get up on the plane, and it'll just take you forever to check your crab pots. So yeah. so we always check on the high tide, so you can get up on the plane between pots. So with, what if there's no high tide? For the day, what if the high tides are two in the morning? Yeah, oh, we just got night time. Yeah. yeah, so pretty much, um, yeah, he's got to work when the when the high tide is. You just look at that tide chart, and yeah, some some weeks is no different to mining or policing or anything like that, mate. So some, sometimes you get night shift, sometimes <laughs> you get day shift. So for the for the vast vast majority of it, you can pick a tide that's early in the morning, late in the afternoon, or something like that. There are there are occasions though where you, there's no choice. There's only one high tide for the day, yeah. and that's two o'clock in the morning. So it means you got to go at leave at midnight and get back at four or five o'clock in the morning. Oh, good so just yeah, no, it, it's all right though. It's it's actually quite enjoyable. Night times. The good thing about um, doing nighttime runs, especially this time of year, is it's cool. Um, and um, yeah, there's no other people around. Uh, there's uh, you know, generally speaking, it's pretty calm. You know, sometimes, especially in the dry season, it gets quite rough, especially on the shallow flats. Yeah. So um, you know, working nights pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind it. Um, yeah, dodging uh, turtles and sharks, and you know, actually, you've been with me a couple of times now. Seeing that, you know, I've showed you those big tiger sharks and hammerheads that get up on those flats oh. there. Um, you know, yes. Yeah. yeah, water this deep and the sharks that tall, like <laughs> with the bin. Yeah. 
So they're, they're searching for turtles, are they? Those big tiger sharks, you reckon? Yeah, well, a lot of those um, flats there where the crabs are, um, the turtles come up in there as well. Turtles and, and um, dugongs and things come up in there and feed. Um, so, uh, yeah, big tiger sharks and big hammerheads, but depends where you are. Some places you see um, predominantly hammerheads, and they're big, big. Yeah. Well, like I saw a monster the other day. Yeah. I didn't get any footage of it because it was um, fairly dark in the oh, morning okay. still, so you wouldn't have been able to see it. But but it was one of the biggest, well, probably the biggest one I've seen. Um, it was, yeah, would have been five, six metres long. It was, it was massive. Yeah, the dorsal fin of it was, you know, 800 mil out of the water, and you, you know, yeah, it was, it was huge. So. Um, um, yeah, and then some of those tiger sharks, if you, some of the other areas, where, generally where the cleaner water is, they don't like the dirty water. So, um, and here's a trick for you, if you're, if you're out there fishing or something like that, and you do see a big tiger shark just cruising around, you want to get a bit of footage of it or something like that, or get a photo of it, if you do just a, a ring around the, the shark, sort of in the shallow water, and stir the dust up, that as long as you don't spook them too much, they won't actually swim through it. Oh, like, there's a wall. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, almost yeah. like a wall. So <laughs> if, if you just do a, give, them, give them a wide berth, you know, you don't want to run them over, but give them a wide berth, and then um, they'll actually sit there in there, and you can actually get get a decent look at them, take photos, show your kids, whatever. So um, when I've, I've shown you that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, yeah, some of the real, when that's we some see big, of, yeah, yeah. some big girls in there. So, yeah, that's why we don't swim here. <laughs> <laughs> one of the many reasons. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, this morning I seen one of the biggest box jellyfish. I was pulling a crab pot in, and as I was pulling in, I stopped for a second and there's a big box jellyfish oh. just going across the top, just, yeah. Yeah, if I, if I didn't stop, it would have bloody dragged it straight in on top oh. of my crab pot, which wouldn't have been nice. And it stung last week, actually, by one. So, yeah. so um, <laughs> only just, only just got me, so. Yeah, so fishing, uh, yeah, not maybe not tomorrow, maybe the next day, though. Yeah. Um, well, weather depending, we've got some rain. Oh, today, um, yeah. Yeah, some, some good, good rain came more. in, so. Um, and, uh, yeah, we don't want to be stuck out in a tropical thunderstorm <laughs> no. No. Uh, a long way from home, so. Maybe. Or do you want to t talk about the, the uh, you had a little experience one time? Oh, mate, I'd, yeah, and the reason I say weather depending, I hate electrical storms. That's the, that's one thing. I don't, sharks and crocodiles, jellyfish and stuff don't bother me much, but lightning is, uh, yeah. is one of those things. I have heard this story a couple of times before, but just one, before you get into it, before this event you're about to tell us about, you didn't have a problem with lightning? No, nah, never. Okay, then, then this happened. All right, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't like lighting. And that's uh, because I was out fishing uh, years and years ago now, 16, 17 years ago, something like that. I was, yeah, honey, young kid, like 17 or something like that, maybe. Uh, me and my brother, and uh, we're up a small creek, and uh, the storm's coming through, and didn't think anything of it, because at that time I didn't care about lightning. But uh, we're just cruising down this uh, small creek, and uh, yeah, lightning hit maybe 10, 15 metres in front of the boat as we're cruising, and the uh, just the loudest noise, like I thought my ear eardrums are gonna blow. Um, you know, all your hair stood up, you know, from the, like the static or whatever, and the, the electricity in the air. And because we were driving still, uh, we went actually straight through where the lining had hit and it was just red hot for a second. And um, yeah, just scared the absolute crap out of me. So um, we actually pulled up into the mangroves and like I dove straight out of the boat, straight into the mangroves, waist deep mud, climbing through the mangroves. And I was getting absolutely smashed by sand flies and mosquitoes and <laughs> well, marsh flies. Clinging onto the mangroves. Clinging onto the, I didn't want to be in 
<laughs> that metal boat made out of the middle of the out of the middle of the river. And uh, yeah, so ever since then, um, yeah, I didn't uh, didn't like lightning since then, mate. But you know, and it uh, it wasn't that long ago a fellow was actually killed um, out off Darwin uh, by uh, lightning, got oh, hit by lightning in, out in the, the boat. In the boat, yeah. Oh no. Yeah, and there was a um, another story I heard uh, somebody told me a yarn from down the Daly River. Um, fellas, and they thought they would be okay because they're in a polycraft, poly boat. They thought, yeah, oh, no, yeah. no drums, all good, and poly boat won't get hit. But uh, fishing rods, predominantly these days, especially barrel rods, are made out of graphite, which uh, is a very good conductor of electricity, and hit the uh, graphite rod, and um, a shard of it actually went through his neck and hit his jugular, and he nearly bled out. <laughs> actually, yeah, so, so the lighting, didn't have to worry about the lighting <laughs> directly getting him, but uh, indirectly, though, he it, yeah, nearly on some graphite rods if you have a really close look in fine print I think it actually says something about lighting on, and, and on power lines yeah yep oh, right. <laughs> all right so we'll, we'll, we'll do a weather pending but <laughs> yeah so but well, it'll, usually you can dodge them like if you if you see a yeah. storm though you yeah you can try and dodge them a little bit yeah it's it's more or less when you when they build up right over the top of you when there's a lot of convection and you get those big uh, cumulonimbus clouds build really really quickly and yeah and anyone that's spent a bit of time in the tropics in the wet season know exactly what we're talking yeah. about is those and i and i love this time of year and i love those thunderstorms yeah. i love watching them build up i just don't like yeah. being in them in a boat i always call them the big, the big skyscrapers yeah yeah and they go up to 60 70 80 000 feet you can see the caps of them starting yeah. to ice up um and yeah you, you see those ones and when when they're building up right on top of you and they've got that big front on them you know uh, i showed you a video uh, the other day of hail from one yes uh, wow. some guys Which in the you, car. you just don't get that here yeah, yeah and big big hail too like you know yeah, yeah so um yeah you don't want to be you don't want to be oh, in a tent oh, change right i said it wasn't going to get political <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah so um now i've got religious <laughs> uh, no so you don't want to be, be out there amongst that uh, especially if you're in a small city like uh my uh Pun, for example, perfect boat for going up those little creeks along the yeah. zipping along the coast. Like we mentioned it before, going across the twins and that shallow draft doesn't draw any water. Yeah. Even with us two big buffaloes in there, we can get <laughs> most places. And uh, the only problem is, you know, uh, it's no no roof or anything like that. So, so yeah. So, and actually, what what do you think would, the, would be the perfect boat for here? That's a good all rounder. That you know you could. You could still do your barra fishing, but big enough to get out to the reef, you know, um, sort of, you know, kill two birds with one one stone. Yeah, well, my, so my boat's uh, 4.75. Yeah. And I reckon I'd like a little bit bigger, not not too much bigger. Mm. Um, I think it's crazy how some people around here, like some people sitting across from me, <laughs> they just they just get more boats. <laughs> you go from the houseboat all the way down to the micro tinny if you don't have a boat for every every uh, occasion. <laughs> but no, um, and that, and there's nothing wrong with that. In a perfect world, I'd love to have have a big boat for outside, and then a, and then a boat like mile on the 475 for barra fishing. But no, if you had the perfect uh, in betweener. Um, I reckon somewhere around the five and a half metre mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that can comfort comfortably fish a couple of people. Like my boat, because I'm a big fella. Like I can really only fish by myself or or with one other person. Like you and me go out in that in a couple of days' time. Like if you need to get to the the back of the boat and I'm at the front mm. of the boat and we have to, it's, it's going to be a circus. But yeah, and you've got kids in that as well. And, and yeah, yeah. So something a little bit a little bit bigger would be, I would say, mm. ideal. Yeah, nice big outboard. Some probably a hundred 
oh, 90 or 115 horsepower Yami yep. would be uh, would be nice. Something that just, yeah, because when it's home time, it's home time, you know what I mean? Like, you want to be able to get going. Yeah, you want to get when big storms yeah, are rolling, yeah, mate. Yeah. Don't worry, my Yami's fairly well seen when one of them storms is up in Clacker on the way of the river. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, look, do you think, like, because obviously you've got so that many options now, there's, um, uh, like fiberglass GRP boats, then you got aluminium boats, there's polycrafts, and then there's all these new composite boats coming out as well, which being a King Ash Bay is a, is a good thing because you see so many different setups, yeah. whether it's boats, Toyotas, caravans, oh, caravans yeah, and no one has the same setup. Yeah, it's so, crazy, though, especially when camping, it's all, always interesting to sticky beak it at people's different camps, and you always get ideas from other people. Or on a, on a boat, someone's put their bait board on the back corner or something, or, yeah. and you're like, oh, geez, that would work well on my boat. Stuff like that, yeah. It's it's a, it's really good to, uh, yeah, sticky beak other people's setups and. So, and what do you reckon if you bought another boat now? Would it be a glass boat or would it be polycraft? I like the be... idea of polycraft. We do have someone here that, that lives here that that's had one for oh, eight years or something. Mm. She's had the boat, um, and there's other people who know nothing and have never owned one like make assumptions about it and they say oh no it'll warp in the sun and things like that mm. and I'm like well this boat's been here for eight years and and fished very regularly yeah how long had it really been for yeah that's right yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah so people that have no idea shouldn't really have opinions yeah i quite <laughs> I, I quite like the polycrafts well yeah. actually I, I don't think i've ever actually been in a polycraft but i really want to go give one a spin one day yeah. um i'm pretty keen to pretty keen to uh, have a look you know well, next time we're up in Darwin, we should hit up wayne from outback boat hire oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We should hire one of his boats and go out on Crawdery Bay. Actually, that's a good idea. Actually, when I when I come to Darwin next yeah. and you're there, we should go and do that. Go for a ride. Actually, I've never been to Crawdery. I've lived in the territory my whole life. I've never <laughs> been to Crawdery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. So um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, because I, I I'm quite intrigued by that because I think you get um, the best of um, every, everything with those because you they're heavy so you get that that um for, oh, from what i've been told in the research i've done um, well, heavier like, than aluminium yeah, yeah. Well, well they're they're heavy so you get that fiberglass type ride yeah like get through like through waves and stuff it's got the like almost like ballast or you know like, yeah. since that nothing beats the weight yeah 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 so you've got, you've got that mass there so yeah. you know going through you know small chop and things like that and we're talking smaller boats not talking massive boats we're talking, yeah you know four five six seven meter boats sort of thing yeah but um yeah, yeah, so you've got that sort of that weight there, which um, gives you that more comfortable ride and sort of like a glass boat. But then you've got the durability, which is in actual fact, in a smaller boat, like if, you, if you're talking like a four metre tinny compared to a four metre polycraft, the polycraft's going to be way tougher than it. Like, you know, and the other thing is if you bump into something like you're cruising down, you bump into a tree or something like that, or, you know, a snag or something like that. Like you don't have to worry about getting things scratched. Yeah. Um, even if you do hit something, it, it's not going to dent like aluminium. Yeah. And then worst case scenario, even if you say you drop it off the the trailer onto the ramp or something like that, and you scratch all the plastic up, I mean it's pretty thick anyway, so yeah. you don't have to worry too much about that. But even if it's the side of the boat or something like gets a big cut in or, or whatever, you can actually poly weld them as well, and you don't need any special tools. You know, you need a heat a heat gun which yeah. you buy from any hard, you know, hardware yeah, store. Yeah. So if you if you punched a hole in it. Yeah, you just poly weld it yourself at home, you know, with a little bit of practice. You just get some, um, yeah, some uh, poly, bloody bits of poly and a heat gun and, and weld them up. Yeah, wow. Mm. Yeah, so I reckon, yeah, yeah, they're definitely worth a look. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'd love to, I'd love to, 
love to get a slightly bigger boat. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not far off, mate. Yeah, true. Uh, I'll, I'll ring Normie and tell him what do you want for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You go down and see your parents for Christmas, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and down, down southeast Queensland for Christmas. We actually booked flights and paid for flights. Mm. Um, well, we're actually going to get a credit for them, and we're actually going to we're actually going to drive down. We got my wife and I came up with this idea uh, to drive down through southeast que uh, through from here to Queensland, and, and yeah, through all through West. So basically, from Darwin, you'll go down to th down the Stewart Highway down to Three Ways, just north of the Tennant Creek. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll go from there across, across to um, Barkley, Camelwheel, yeah, Barkley, uh, Mount Isa, Cloncurry, all that. I'm not sure which way we'll go from there. Whether whether we go down through the from Barkholden down, down to Blackhall Tambo or across to... Through yeah, Emerald, Emerald to Rocky. Yeah, the, that, yeah, so I'm not sure which way, but, but I'll probably post it on my socials because the idea is we reckon... We'll put it this way. I'd say we, we, we get a lot of orders for our merch. We've been selling a lot of hats, a lot of shirts um, from my um, fishing YouTube channel. And I would say, even though we've had orders from all over Australia, we've actually had orders now from um, New Zealand, Canada, the US and the UK, um, but I would say four out of every five orders is from Queensland. Mm. So we're using that information. My wife was actually the one that came up with the idea and said, oh, well, let's, how about we drive down uh, for Christmas and then on my socials, do a little quick video saying, all right, guys, tomorrow we're going to be driving through uh, Mount Isa and um, Cloncurry. Um, just send us a, a message and um, yeah. yeah, if you want to if you want to come and say good day and meet me and um, buy a shirt and share uh, your beer, yeah, share <laughs> <laughs> your can yeah, of morns. Uh, realistic, we'll probably meet up at the. We've got my kids with me, so we'll, we'll probably meet up at a park or something. Yeah, local come. bakery. Yeah, oh, definitely the local bakery. <laughs> Tell me which one's the best the best pies in town. I'm always after the best pie in town. <laughs> yeah, no, so I was thinking, yeah, dude, that's not. A, I think I think it'll go all right. Sell a couple of shirts in the way. Might give me a bit of fuel Ooh. money, and yeah, go down and uh, visit some family and friends down southeast Queensland. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, then come back up early next year and probably Ooh. start start doing my trips down here again straight away and yeah start and try and get that sort of um yeah well obviously it'll be, we'll be right in the middle of the wet season then yeah. so we might try and get some uh not that we get any runoff here like other like the dahlia and stuff like that but we do get very um very particular runoffs here so like one small creek might run off for a day or two yeah literally. and you've really got to be johnny on the spot to hit it yeah um unlike the daily or the moil which or, can run for months yeah. yeah yeah which which will run or the adelaide or any of those yeah. yeah any of those sort of places that run for ages ours only run for basically if you've had a big low come through or, or yeah. several big storms come through for several days um then you get a bit of a runoff but it's only very very local to that area so yeah like literally to individual creeks yeah <laughs> so i'm thinking uh when you get back, we might try and target that million dollar fish, mate. This million dollar fish Ooh. campaign still uh, alive and well, and somebody's definitely going to get the million dollar barra this yeah, year. And it exciting. could be us. What season is it up to now? I think it was season nine. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, a long time now. I think I think it's season nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah, it's eight or nine or something like that. Yeah, it's not ten yet. I think I think it's nine, but like I think how many they've caught? Well, no, they've caught a quite a few bar already this year. Yeah, um, it's, it's, they just keep ticking along. 
nicely like every every week or two you see another one pop up on on the socials that someone's got themselves mm. 10 grand yeah the million dollar one hasn't gone off yet and they've guaranteed it'll go off this year so i'm not sure how they're going to work that out if if the actual tagged million dollar fish is in court yeah but um yeah <laughs> when is it it's, uh was it it goes on the exact opposite of like the pro barra fishing season net fishing yeah, so yeah. That, so i think i think it finishes at the end of Feb or the end of March. She's yeah, okay. So we've got we've double got, check that. Yeah, so we've got we've got time to uh, to 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 try and get it. yeah because they they released them all over the Northern Territory. Like they they've yeah. definitely released them here, haven't they? Yeah, MacArthur. Well, I, well, see during the oh period, yeah, well there's two have been caught on the MacArthur. Yeah, well, uh, well yeah, one in Boralor. Yeah, uh, at the crossing there. Yeah, one of my old stopping grounds, and then another one down down the uh, Davies down here. So um, Davies, yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, there's a couple of been caught here previously, but. I mean, there was, we did have some concerns from, from the club that um, potentially there wasn't any here because um, during the pandemic, obviously, they still ran that competition. But, um, um, yeah, yeah, they still ran that competition, but they couldn't get anyone because we were in a biosecurity area for oh, part of the things. So they and couldn't then, physically come down here to take, take there was, fish, yeah, yeah, there was some issues around that. So, um, um, but I did make some inquiries before this season opened up and just, just double-checked it, and, uh, and I spoke to all the appropriate people, and they assure me they've absolutely been down here. They've tagged fish here, mate, so... We could be it. Might as well be us. And that time of year, there'll be no one else fishing for them. So. Yeah. If there's no podcast after about February. It's going to be by a helicopter. I'll just get better. That'll be yeah, so, yeah, um, if the studio, if it, if it goes from this to like a, a million dollar studio, yeah. you know what's happened. If the ocean's behind us or something like that. Uh, if we're sitting on a big boat, a uh, big marlin boat. Actually, them boys caught a marlin. Uh, the, the, uh, last episode, we spoke about them boys caught a big black marlin. Yeah. How about um, them other guys were talking to uh, not, not the other two days bar. later yeah yeah they come back in with a uh, big sailfish yeah so, th did they show you a photo they did show me the photo yeah we can confirm the story kept changing a little bit but they were they've been sheepish about giving away locations they were they were yeah yeah at first it was the top of north then next it was the top of west then the next it was the top of Andalin, and then yeah no i think they went i think they went wide i think they went out towards uh, some, some remote bombies out there. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, there's that much country out there. And if you, yeah. as we mentioned, it, like in our last episode, there's just so much country out there that, you know, you can get sailfish, marlin, mackies, you know, tuna, all that yeah. stuff, you know, for miles up and down the coast. You look when, when you came up with me last year and we went right down the coast um, uh, when you made that big YouTube video, um, oh, yeah, Golf yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were coming back in the work boat and, you know, it's a two-hour ride, three-hour ride, and you look at that sounder screen and it's like oh. non-stop for two hours is just bombies, bombies, yeah. bombies. Some There's, people are markers. Like, if they see anything interesting, they'll hit the mark button. <laughs> And yeah, if you're a marker, you would you would have a lot of dots on the screen after just driving yeah, up and back there. Pretty yeah. much have a track the whole way yeah. up the coast because it's just there's just that much good country. Yeah, and it's because it's not sheltered up in, in that direction, like up to our um, to our west. It's it's not sheltered by the islands so much, so very few people even go up there. Yeah, it, it does get rough. Like the amount if of, it's windy, it gets rough. Yeah, yeah. So. You either need to not be a sook like me, or, or have a have a nice big boat that can probably handle a bit of chop. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to go out there, I reckon. Yeah, or pick your days as yeah. well. I mean, we do get some good days. I mean, yeah. although you know this year's been. You know. We're gonna, we had that as a talking point. Like the the weather, like oh, it's been the windiest season I can remember. I've been coming here for ten plus years. Ten, well, twelve years. I lived mm. here for ten, but. 12 years I've been coming here mm. um, and this is this is the yeah windiest 
Like, what's meant to be the, the month with the least wind? Well, I mean, I mentioned like the swing season, so between the wet season and the dry season, whether it's uh, at the end of the dry season coming into the wet season, mm. where it slows down, or the other, vice versa, so the end of the wet season yeah. coming into the dry season. Um, like, I, I tend to find that, like, August... Yeah. can be a really good one. Yeah, it wasn't, um, wasn't this year. It wasn't this year, no. It was no, windy. It's been pretty windy, yeah, right through. Very early in the year, like uh, in March, I reckon we had quite a few good days in March. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, only in the mornings, though, like it, that wind picks up because what happens is like how the weather works here for us is um, whenever there's a big, so particularly the dry season, well, yeah, in the dry season, you get a big high pressure system sitting down on the bite, so the Great Australian Bite down the bottom, and basically that just pushes everything across to the east, and then that wind comes flying straight up the east coast, right up, you know, past Victoria, New South Wales, up, up to the Cape, then cuts across the Cape and comes uh, straight up across the Gulf as a southeasterly. And so we get those big southeasterlies predominantly right through the um, the, whole the, dry the dry season, and then and that's yeah, that's a direct result from what's happening in the Great Australian Bight all the yeah, way down yeah. below South Australia and West Australia down there. So like, you know, like um, you know, when I was guiding, um, doing reef trips and things like that, like I don't know if if there's several highs lined up in a row that are all sort of rotating, you know, they're coming into the bight, going through down past Aussie, another one comes in from West Australia into the bight. You know, you're going to keep getting those south. Eastleys and the bit, and the, you know, the um, the, uh, the the further apart those um, isobars are, the, the bigger the winds are going to be, you know. So, um, and then you know, conversely, in the wet season, it's the other way around. We get the northwesterlies. Yeah. So, and and that's the trade winds because, like as you know, where we are here, um, and the, some of the listeners may know that. So, um, the Aboriginal people, many, many, many hundreds of years ago, well and truly before European settlement, um, used to trade with Macassans. So yeah. Macassar is up sort of near, uh, is it in the Banda Sea maybe, up yeah, uh, around right. Indonesia yeah, sort of yeah, area? Yeah. And so they used to, they used to um, travel from there in sailboats, obviously, yeah. before engines were, were, were anything like that. So they'd come down in their sailboats and they'd use those um, monsoon winds at the yeah. end of the wet season, so those northwesterlies, and they'd come right across the top of the Northern Territory down into yeah. the Gulf of Carpentaria. So they'd start like, to Darwin, that, but down into the Gulf. Yep. Oh, yeah, well, I'd start way north of Darwin, obviously up there, you know, around, I think it's around the Banda Sea sort of area where, where Macassar is. Sorry, my geography's not 100%. Yeah. It's up around Indonesia yeah, okay. sort of thing anyway. But they used to come down from there, and it's almost directly southeast for them to travel. And they used to, so they used to take those northeasterly winds, come all the way down into the bottom of the Gulf, and then they would, they would uh, trade with Aboriginal people here, and they would uh, collect um, trepang. That's the sea uh, cucumbers. Yeah, sea yeah. cucumbers yeah. Or, or sea slugs. Yeah, wow. So they, they would um, uh, collect those. And then there are some places now where there are some remnants where they used to um, have fires and things because. My understanding is they used to uh, collect them also. Basically, they live on the shallow sand mud flats. Yeah. They look like a big sausage type, bloody uh, big, or big cucumber. That's what it's obviously sea cucumber. Yeah. Um, and then they, I think they'd boil them up and then um, dry them out and then package them. And then they would, uh, when the southeasterlies would start kicking oh, in. Oh, of course. Massive big southeasterlies, you know, 15, 20, 25 knots. They'd load the boats up and then and then ride those southeasterlies all the way back to the northwest, back yeah. up to Macassar, and, um, and sell them. So, and they used to trade with Aboriginal people back in the day, um, and I think, um, well, there's all sorts of remnants around, so they know what happens. And, they, they, and that's why we have um, 
uh, tamarind trees yeah. on the islands and things like that around here and, and a lot of places there's a lot of tamarind trees because they use the tamarind fruit as part of the processing of the um, of the of the yeah, trepang. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so um, I mean, I reckon in the museum at East Point in Darwin. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not East Point. The one that's near Darwin High School. Can't think of the suburb name, but right near, just behind Darwin High, near the sailing club, mm. is uh, the, a museum there. Oh, the Darwin Museum. Darwin Museum, mm. yeah. I reckon there's a, not inside the museum, but behind it, there's another special addition onto, onto it, which is a huge, big warehouse-style thing, mm. and they've actually got some of these boats in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they're replicas either. They don't quote me on that. They could be, but mm. I, I don't think they're replicas. And it even tells... Store, like each boat has has a story on it, and mm. one, I'm sure there's one from from this area. Yeah, how big are they? Well, I've never been in there. Oh. How big are they? Oh, over ten meters. They, they, they range in size. Some are small. Yeah, yeah. But some some will be over ten meters. And so, what do they look like in terms of? So, have oh, they got they're, they're all wooden. Oh, well, yeah. So they're, they're wood. Like, have they got like a like a cabin? So an inside section, uh, or are they yeah, all just like yeah, the, the big ones definitely do. Yeah, mm. yeah. So from memory, I've only been there once or twice. But yeah, from memory, like the front of the boat's sort of fairly open, with with high sides on it. But the, I think at the back, yeah, it's like what you'd, you'd see in. I suppose any Asian harbour, you know, like yeah, yeah. to a certain extent, like right. even, even though it's hundreds of years old, like the technology for some yeah, of these wooden boats hasn't like, changed. Like sort of big square sails, yeah. or like a Chinese junk. Yeah, I'm not sort sure. Of sail. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot like that. A lot mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, can you imagine being back in the day and travelling like all, all the way from like I've, I've flown to Bali a few times. <laughs> oh, imagine, uh, imagine sailing in a, in a you know rickety wooden leaky boat for for months on end. Even their navigation, they'll just they'll just keep going until they ran into land. They wouldn't. They well, wouldn't know. That, that, yeah, they I suppose wouldn't. that's why they call them the trade winds because you, yeah. you get into them, you don't have to do any steering. And that's and that's why they were able to utilise those sails because they could only sail. I, I believe again, they don't quote me on it, but I believe that you know they could only sail with the wind obviously modern modern sailboats and, and things now you can you can sail actually against the wind and they actually it's faster to go against the wind yeah but um uh you know back in the day they could only go which yeah. way the wind was blowing that was it yeah um uh, youtube channel i don't know if you still watch it you got me onto it uh sailing the la vagabond oh yeah, big, yeah, big yeah youtube channel with yeah. uh, elena and riley, riley. Yeah, yeah. yeah um he did a little a uh, little quick tutorial thing on how because he spoke about going the boat going faster than the wind speed. Yep. I'm like, no, like, oh, I'm a smart guy. You couldn't possibly go faster than the wind speed. <laughs> but no, this basically say so when you go sideways to the, slightly sideways, yeah, the wind's going, how, yeah, he, he explains it well. Mm. Go, go watch the channel. Yeah, it's almost like uh, using like Pythagoras um, being the hypotenuse speak, like, because you're traveling further in, in a straight line. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because you, you Obviously, you've, you've got a couple of different things. You've got your, your water speed or your vessel speed, then your, your yeah. wind speed. So you say if your wind speed's 10 knots, yeah. and you're, as, you're, as you're traveling across the wind, yeah. you're, you're increasing the boat speed, which also increases the wind speed for, as, as the boat sees it. So Yeah, yeah, so to, to go from, from, from bottom to top, yeah, 10 meters, if you're going in that direction, at 10 kilometers an hour, like, but you're going that way, you've actually f traveled further than 10 meters, traveling 10 kilometers an hour. Yeah. So you're going faster than 10 kilometers, oh, you know what I mean? The, yeah. 
<laughs> Don't fall asleep while you're driving, guys. <laughs> so, something it like that. It all makes sense, and it's actually really interesting, which yeah. is why we're talking about it. But anyway, go, let's, go, let's go, move on. Go and watch the YouTube, the YouTube yeah. channel. Oh, and, um, yeah, in the, in the notes there, the, you've, you've written... Oh, I didn't hear about this one, the, the boat sunk. Yeah, I was only just reading something last night. Um, yeah, boat sunk. A uh, fellow put a post up there on one of the fishing pages in Darwin saying if anyone uh, finds any of his gear around Cape Hotham. Um, so the, the boat sunk. Um, uh, on the 21st of November. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, he's, yeah, missing, obviously missing everything. But, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. Let's just say, but it was just him on board, or? I, I'm not sure. He didn't go into great detail about it, but it was, you know, obviously um, fairly substantial. I did, because I did see another post about somebody saying that um, an EPIRB, like their, one of their relatives, EPIRB, had gone off and if anyone had been out fishing. Yeah, okay. Um, to, um, to, in that area to let them know. And yeah, then, it'd be and then I read a separate post about a boat uh, sunk, and oh, they got rescued, and they said everyone was okay so um, I'm guessing there's no major you know no major things yeah, so just definitely make sure you have that yeah well that, that, that was that was going to be actually a, um, a good segue into you know and we talked about storms and things earlier and, and winds and stuff like that this time of year is a really important thing we spoke about like a few tips for people traveling here this time of year made sure like you, you should always have your EPIRB your flares yep. we spoke about that um, after Tremaine's story in the last yeah. episode but like this time of year especially because you can go out in the morning like this morning it was an absolute glass off as far as you can see it was an absolute glass yeah. off um, but, but then you know around lunchtime these massive big storms build up and if you were out on the ocean somewhere, oh, yeah. even in a big boat, even if you're in a seven, eight, nine metre boat, some of these storms that you know that they can have 150 plus k an hour winds. Oh, and the waves aren't just going one direction. It's not like that. They'll be they're, they'll be a water machine. You can't just go into it. You know. No, and it, there's there's yeah there's very little you can do, and it's yeah it can be very very dangerous. So make sure you've got your EPIRB and make sure it's registered and in date. Test it regularly. It's an important one to. Re I'm at fault with this as well. Um, in the event of an emergency, my, my EPIRB is not in a convenient spot to grab. Yeah, well that's, and a lot of people that have, that have sunk boats before will tell you, that, you know, make sure you fix that up. Yeah. Uh, because if you need it, like... It'll you, happen so quick. You're going to need it, you know, yeah. like, and at the point that you need it, you, you, you're, you're going to have not a lot of time. No, that's, you know? that's exactly right. Oh. So what, what I do with mine is I've got a, um, and they're fairly cheap now, um, similar to a Pelican case, just a knockoff version of it. Yep. I actually, I think I bought it from Bunnings or something like that maybe. Um, it was 80, 90 bucks. Um, but obviously it floats, it's waterproof, and I've got all my flares in there. And what I've actually done is I've packaged all my flares into cryovac bags and then cryovac them and sealed them so they don't roll around and rub all the paint and instructions and things oh, often so they're in there nice and tight yeah. um, and, I've, and I've done it so that you can still see the dates on them so if you, if you get pulled over they need to check them you don't have to cut your bloody um, uh, the you know plastic open your yeah. private bag open um, which I learned because I did it the wrong way the first time <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, learned, learned from my mistakes um, um, but that that stops them just rolling around and, and scratching the instructions off them because I've seen so many of them now get pulled out of people's boats and to, to be inspected and there's you, all the instructions are worn off because they just been belt yep. bouncing around in a plastic bucket somewhere um, so that's a good idea and my EPIRB and uh, I've got a heap of safety gear I've got survival type gear in that one box which floats yep. so in the event that um, you know something catastrophic happens like you hit a, a wave funny and the, and the boat flips or something like that yeah you just get the box it, it, it'll float yep. and um, and where it sits 
under a hatch, the hatch um, will will be able to come up. So I've got my life jackets um, stored directly with that. And so that's the first thing I can get to. As soon as I lift the hatch up, it's right there. The handle's right there. I can pull it straight out. And that's got all the important stuff in it. So, um, you know, and here, like we talked about tiger sharks and all that sort of stuff, yeah, and jellyfish, I would rather have that one box that floats with my EPIRB in it. And, and flares than a life jacket. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you want to get that thing, you know, if you're in the water here, um, you want to get that EPIRB fired up straight away yeah. as quick as possible. Oh, because it's going to take time. Absolutely. So what well, we've had, um, an EPIRB went off here a couple of years ago. It was yeah. um, a massive, uh, well, not a massive, but a substantial cyclone was coming in into the Gulf. And um, the guy decided he was going to go for a fish. And um, yeah, before packing up and leaving, King Ash Bay completely. Yeah, right, yeah. And he went out that morning and uh, just so happens, his uh, batteries died on his boat. Um, he had And he had several batteries in the boat because he had a mincoder and uh, fridge and everything like that. Uh, but he couldn't get, none of his, like all of his batteries died for some reason. There was some electrical issue and uh, he couldn't get his engine started. And then this, you know, storm front started rolling in and the wind picked up and then all of a sudden he's taken on water and couldn't go anywhere. So yeah, um, wow. so he's had to let his uh, EPIRB off and it took, you know, a few hours for, um, they actually got a, a jet uh, with over the horizon radar. So, you know, the big jet with the big sort yeah, of disc on the, on yeah. the roof? Yeah, one of those jets has actually flew over King Ash Bay at about, I don't know, it would have been 150 feet, I reckon. Um, wow. Yeah, through, through a storm. He came straight over the top of King Ash Bay. Um, but yeah, he actually came over, um, found him, and then the Care Flight helicopter came from uh, Darwin. I think it came from Darwin or Catherine, um, all the way down here, and then hovered over the boat until uh, the police were able to get oh, there. Okay, yeah. And once the police got there, um, yeah, they were do able they to tow him back in. Do they have the facility to winch people if they, if they had to? The helicopter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah for sure, yeah. That's yeah, and they do it, they do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. You see, hey, in actual fact, this boat that I was mentioned off Cape I think that one may have been, they may have been winched from that one. I'm not 100 yeah. sure. I did read about one just the other day that happened. I'm not sure if it was the same one or not, but I did. I did read about them winching people, yeah. winching people to safety from that. So, um, but obviously, you know, you don't want to be in that position. No. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and very expensive, very expensive stuff up. Yeah. So, so uh, and you, and I think if you you know if you go out and you haven't got all your stuff right or you've gone out in conditions where you really shouldn't have gone um you know you, you may be prosecuted as well and you know you might have to pay some of that money back and i'm pretty sure that jet and helicopter isn't cheap yeah righty. <laughs> so uh yeah you don't want to be uh yeah you don't want to be out there then so so yeah nearly the end of this season but um Next season, 2024, something else I was reading, um, and on, uh, I've read it several times now on several of the pages, is um, a lot of places looking for fishing guides for the 2024 season. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. What's what, it not, just not here, like, just at, not, not at King Ash Bay, but just around the Territory, there's several different um, establishments that, um, several different businesses that are, that are currently looking for um, for guides for 2024. So if you're, if you, you know, young and keen, especially if you're, you know, young, keen and single, Go and do your cox and see. It doesn't take that long to do your cox and see. It's not overly expensive. Um, you know, as long as you can read and write, you'll be able to get through it, you know, with a bit of help. Um, 
go to your Cox and see if you if you're keen on doing it. It's a great industry to get into. Um, you know, especially if you you know you got ideas of having your own business or something like that. It'd be a great thing to go and learn off some some of these excellent yeah. operators around the territory. Um, you know, get a Cox's ticket, go out and you know decky for someone for a bit, learn learn the ropes. If you're young and keen, go and do your Cox's ticket. You can do them in Darwin now. Smith does them in Darwin. Seafood Maritime Industries training. You know, I did mine through them about. 15 or so years ago, yeah. 14 years ago or something. So, um, well, and that can lead to all sorts of different things. Um, yeah, for qualification sure. like that. Yeah, so you do your coxswains and that's that's sort of your, uh, and if you do a full open coxswain, that, that allows you to operate a vessel up to 12 metres. Um, so, but basically any of your guiding stuff in the territory, you're mostly like barrow guiding or even coastal reef fishing and stuff like that. Mostly sort of five to eight metre boat sort of yeah. thing. Um, and you know, you're generally speaking working by yourself. So, uh, but if you if you really love your fishing and you, you know, and you're keen. Spending time on the water. Spending yeah. time on the water. And because there's so many great places that you just cannot get to unless you are doing a job like this. So, you know, all through Arnhem Land and some yeah. of the island communities and things like that, um, mostly on Aboriginal land as well. So, you know, no one else really gets the opportunity unless you're paying big, big dollars to go out there as a customer. But you can go out there and get paid to, you know, chase some awesome fish in some awesome locations. So, you know, if you ever thought about it, you know, you know, finishing school this year even, go to your coxes ticket. You know, you still got, you know, uh, still used to doing some study and stuff. Go to your coxes ticket and, and um, have a look at that because there's so many opportunities at the moment. And if, if Look, if if I was just finished my cox and ticket, you know, when I was 19 or whatever, 18 or 19, um, and these opportunities were available, I'd be jumping on it straight oh, away, sure. you know, because there's so many places that I'd love to go and have a fish at. And it's um, seasonal as well. Well, so certainly some of the barra sort of style ones yeah. would be seasonal. So it's not as if you're committing two years of your life to something. No, that's It'll it. It'll just be a few months at a time, or you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's and the thing is, is at the moment, like there's so many jobs available in it. Like yeah. you can, you know, from um, right around the territory, um, and no doubt in interstate and, and stuff as well. But right around the territory, there's there's a lot of jobs available for all different sorts of um, um, fishing operations. So, so if you're keen, um, have a look at that, and um, yeah, get amongst it. Yeah, so Christmas, mate, you're heading down south. Yeah, yeah. So Got to drive down. So right. What, what about you, mate? Um, I'm still sort of undecided. I've got to go to Darwin um, just before Christmas and take Katie up so she can fly down to see her family. Um, she doesn't get to see them all that much, so she goes down there for Christmas for a couple of months, six or eight weeks or so. Um, I'm probably going to stay here, try and work up until Christmas, get some things cleaned up before the uh, cyclone season really kicks oh, yeah, in. Um, try and get a lot of my crap cleaned up because I've got shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, try, and, try and get some things sorted and then... Um, yeah, I'm not drinking or anything, like I mentioned earlier, so for a few months. So, um, yeah, I'm saving myself money. A big trip planned uh, for next year. So, end of Feb, going over uh, over to Vegas. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, so I'm going to go watch the, uh, the the NRL over there and uh, hopefully the boxing. Oh, the so, Zoo Boys. Yeah, so uh, we only just watched uh, uh, Young Nikita last night and uh, that was an epic fight too. Oh, we loved it. Yeah. So, um, I'm Jeez, on. that was a good fight. First round, he was gone. He was gone. Oh. Yeah, well, he got dropped in the first yeah. round. Nikita got dropped in the first round. So, yeah, I was a bit nervous there for a second. And then, um, yeah, he came back. And in the fourth, I don't know, um, yeah, how he uh, how he stood up. Harbin stood up. Was, uh, Biggs, uh, sorry, Biggs. Biggs, Biggs Harbin was Yeah, yeah um, he's a, a tough, 
tough fella, 21 yeah. years old, mm. and he 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 took some shots, man. Mm. Yeah, he got <coughs> uh, mate absolutely flogged. Yeah, he'd have, he'd have a headache today. <laughs> oh, for sure, mate. Like, if he ever saw guts, yeah. today, I reckon. Mate, he, he's got a good goal oh, with the final shot that yeah, got him. Yeah, that, that big the, body shot. Yeah, at, um, yeah, straight in his liver. That would have uh, yeah. really hurt. So, no, I'm super keen to get over to the states and um, yeah, watch the NRL. So watch the Broncos play. Yeah. And then really hoping that the uh, Zoo Boys are, are, are putting something on in oh, Vegas. I know they're fun. trying to work on it. Yeah. Um, you know they are really trying to make it happen there. So and that'd not, be really you, good to you see. Were, both you on. worked out it's the week after the Super Bowl. I think or yeah, it's, like it's, it's, it, well, it's it's just uh, like yeah, Super Bowls obviously just before we go there, and the Super Bowls in Vegas this year yeah. also, and next year as well. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Legion Stadium. Some I think more silly some people mm. around. Mm. Might be. Yeah. Oh well, I think she'll be she'll be pretty busy, mate. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Broncos are playing, so no doubt there'll be a bloody shitload of bogans from Brisbane. That's how these Queensland that. So, uh, I wish I was one of them. Me, I wish me included. So, oh, yeah, uh, oh, oh man. So yeah. no, pretty keen, pretty keen to have a look at that, mate. Got to go to uh, Nashville for a, for a week. Taking the old boy over, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why we go. He, probably, he hasn't left the Northern Territory in a, in a while, so, so to take him overseas, it's going to be a bit of culture shock for him. Well, I mean, he's, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we took him to Europe a few years ago with the whole family, but um, with yeah, with about sixteen, it was seventeen, it was some like for about three or four weeks. But uh, this trip's just me, uh, my brother, and my old man. So I'm going to go over, watch the Broncos play. Hopefully, the boxing's going to happen and. Uh, um, get amongst that. Uh, yeah, a few days in Nashville, checking out uh, the Grand Old Opry, things like that. And oh. then, uh, yeah, then to Vegas for about a week and, um, yeah, right on that. Yeah, so. either come back with no money or, or, or a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it happened to me. Uh, yeah, no. It'd be too dangerous for me in Vegas, man. Nah, Kate would kill me if I uh, <laughs> spent too much money, mate. So Kate, Kate unfortunately can't come because that is the start of our season. So the end of February, early March. But when the lodge starts filling up with the, all the fishermen coming up. Yeah, we, and then uh, 2024 is just absolutely jam-packed with customers. So yeah, right it's looking like it's going to be a really, really big tourist season next year. Yeah, so, that's um, so that's the King Ash Bay Lodge. And then there's, yeah, I think um, uh, Waibi Lodge out of the islands. I think yeah. Brett's got a big, big year come up. Has yeah. they expanded their accommodation out there too? Yeah, yeah, they've got the bottom house up and yeah. going, and, and yeah, and, and they've gone to, gone green now, mate. They got the solar happening, <laughs> so uh, he's very excited about. It. Actually, I'm excited about. It. I was out there um, a little while back, and it's just so good now. Pull out, pull up at night time there, and uh, go for a camp, and there's no generator running yeah, in the background. Cool. It's just dead quiet, and yeah, no, it's really good out there. So, so now it's going to be a massive 2020 full season hopefully um, yeah it's sort of looking that way yeah so uh, yeah anything else you want to add mate all right we'll, we'll, we'll still get another we'll get another podcast out before the end of 2023 yeah 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 for sure mate yep. yeah sure hopefully we'll um, yeah we'll try and try and get them up every week um, we'll, we'll be separated for about four weeks three four yeah. weeks depending on how, how long you stay down south for but um we'll, we'll try and do our best to get um one every week one every week yeah yeah awesome yeah yeah there may be maybe one or two weeks over christmas new year period when you're down south and and i'm out here where we where we might not be able to get yeah. it done but we'll see what we can do we'll anyway try our best we'll, we'll, we'll try our best if we get some uh, good content happening we'll see how we go with it yeah so remember to check out that the new youtube channel the uh facebook page if you're interested, check out Patreon. 
Uh, yeah, no, if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, so... Oh, I'll I'll what, it just feels weird asking if, for money, you know. If, 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 I'll tell you, as soon as we get some people in there, mate, we're gonna, uh, we'll work something out. We'll, we'll get some uh, prize packs or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the go. And, um, that's, 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 why, that's why we have Patreon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously the, the idea of doing this is, um, is not for us to go um, You know, we don't want to... Uh, be making a fortune, not making our uh, living out of this is uh, something that we enjoyed talking about and, yeah. and we, we'd be doing this down the pub anyway so um, you know but obviously there's a lot of things that we want to do to improve this so like at the moment we're using pretty much all of Mikey's stuff um, you know all, all, of, all the voice recording and everything um, you know the room's fairly dodgily set up to try and get that echo out of it, which we yeah. noticed in the first. I'll one. do a short snippet of us talking like right now with my voice talking with how the room actually sounds without using enhancement. So this is what the room yeah. sounds like without enhancement compared to this, which is now with the enhancement on. So yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> not to mention we've got blankets and uh, all of Jazzy's uh, uh, laundry <laughs> hanging up on, <laughs> on microphone stands and stuff around the place. So so if we. Um, yeah, we, if we can uh, get a little, generate a little bit of revenue from it, the first thing we'll be doing is um, is making a, an area which we can have set up all the time as a proper studio. Yeah. Um, trying to improve our gear a little bit, um, so so that we're actually talking with um, professional, more professional microphones that are set up for, for doing this sort of thing. Um, yeah. So we obviously, yeah, if we make anything out of it, they'll, they'll just get better and better, and we'll be able to put out more content. So yeah, that's that's the idea. We just want to be able to, um, yeah, do it and get amongst it. Yeah, sounds good, mate. All right, want to shut it down? Shut it down, Russ. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Guides in the Gulf.